Hello, and welcome back to the Chronic Fatigue and Burnout Recovery Podcast. I am your host, Anna Marsh, and today we're going to talk about causes of fatigue generally and chronic fatigue specifically. And the reason why I wanted to talk about general causes of fatigue is because very often, even if someone does have a chronic fatigue syndrome diagnosis, or if they have burnout, it's very common for them also to have underlying imbalances, which are general causes of fatigue as well. So for example, someone with chronic fatigue syndrome or burnout may have nutrient deficiencies, they may have blood sugar imbalances, they may have um, what I would call oxygenation issues or um, poor red blood cell health. So when we're working towards helping someone increase their energy and becoming more well, irrespective of the complexity of their case, we always want to make sure that all areas are covered. And so these are the areas that I'm going to discuss in this podcast today. I'm going to move through them in a sequential order, starting probably from the most basic and the most obvious, and then moving into the most complex. So this podcast is for you if you have chronic fatigue syndrome or burnout, or you don't know why you feel so tired, or maybe you're actually quite high functioning, but you're just struggling with a little bit of fatigue. There'll be information in this podcast that will be really, really useful to help you get to the bottom of things. And then further down the line, there'll be another episode on testing so that you can um, begin to explore these things for yourself or know where to begin to explore these things for yourself if you want to dig a little bit deeper. So let's just go straight in. This is the sequence or the se- I guess the sequence of my thinking when I'm working with a client. So the very first thing we want to consider when we consider fatigue is the overall energy balance, which is that very simple scientific equation of energy in versus energy out. And essentially, is this person with fatigue or are you with fatigue doing too much and not eating enough calories? Very, very typical for women, very typical for busy women, especially who are just running life a million miles an hour. Maybe there are kids, maybe there's a career, maybe they're very involved in work or they have other life pressures and they're just not eating enough. And there's a lot of demands, whether that is mental demands, physical demands, emotional demands, all of these things take energy to cope with. And if we're not eating enough and and we're not resting enough, we're going to feel tired. So having previously run a successful weight loss program, sometimes this is something I ask my clients to check is, you know, do you feel that you're eating enough? And we can use something like an app, like my fitness pal, not forever, not to become dependent on external apps, but just to say, hmm, let's just check in and you know put your food into an app and see how much you're eating on a daily basis. And 
Sometimes people just need to eat a little bit more and they feel better. So even if someone is um, really unwell with a diagnosed condition, often the symptoms associated with the condition, if there's nausea or a lack of appetite due to something else going on in the body, people are naturally going to begin to restrict how much they're eating. And, you know, just eating more won't solve the whole condition, but it will help them feel better. It will increase their baseline within the condition. And so therefore, even if you've been unwell for a while, it's important to remind yourself about some of the basics because sometimes the basics are so basic that we look past them and they become our blind spots. So the first thing we want to look at is, are we eating enough? And you know how much exactly someone needs to eat is going to depend on their height and their weight and how much muscle mass they have and how much they're moving each day. So I can't give you a specific about how much you as the individual listening to this podcast should be eating, but I would say kind of on average, anything around sort of 1500 to 2000, maybe even 2500 calories for a bigger or more active person um, is sort of ballpark, you know, but if people are only eating sort of 800 calories um, consistently, then we really want to um, be mindful of how that's contributing to how they're feeling. So then the next thing we want to look for is blood sugar imbalances. So within that kind of energy balance, eating enough food, the quality of that food is also going to be really important. And I will do a specific episode on blood sugar imbalances where we can dive deeper into all the reasons why someone may have a blood sugar imbalance. But for the essence of this podcast, just to keep things surface level today, we really just want to make sure that the proportions of macronutrients, proteins, fats, and carbohydrates are appropriate for the individual. And so really what I see with a lot of clients is, especially if they're more unwell and therefore less active, carbohydrate tolerance tends to be lower, which means if they're eating large amounts of carbohydrates or too many processed carbohydrates, or sometimes not even large amounts of carbohydrates, but just too many carbohydrates for their unique situation at the time, we're going to start to see maybe highs and lows in blood sugar. And when blood sugar it goes too high, this affects energy penetration in the brain. And obviously we need to get energy into the brain so we can think and operate really well um, in terms of focus and concentration and mood and all those lovely things. And the other thing is that if our blood sugar drops too low, we're also going to feel tired. So blood sugar stability is the name of the game. We want to have stable blood sugar throughout the day. And in order to achieve that, we really want to be able to know what that breakdown of proteins, fats, and carbohydrates that we need in the diet needs to be. And um, to be eating consistently throughout the day, not too much, not too little. And um, as I said, we can go into this in more detail further down the line in another episode. 
But blood sugar imbalances are also associated with our mitochondria health. And our mitochondria are the little organelles in the cells um, where we create energy. And so if blood sugar is imbalanced, that's impacting the cellular machinery, which is important for energy production. Um, and therefore, we really want to get blood sugar balanced as we work towards um, more energy and better health. So we've got the energy balance dialed in. We're stabilizing blood sugar throughout the day. What comes next? Well, the next, the next big thing that I start to think of when I'm working with my clients is oxygen delivery. We make energy in the mitochondria in the presence of oxygen, which means that we need to get oxygen from the air that we breathe into the body, via the lungs, into the bloodstream, and into our cell. So that is a multi-step production line where multiple things can go wrong that would affect oxygen delivery in the cell and therefore the ability to produce energy. So here, the main things we're looking at is how we're breathing. If someone's a mouth breather, um, if they have sleep apnea, if there's any issues with breathing, then we're not necessarily going going to be getting oxygen into the body. And once oxygen is in the body, we need to transport it. And the, the red blood cells are our oxygen transporters. So if there's any issues with our red blood cell health, that's going to affect oxygen delivery. And here we rely on specific nutrients like B12, folate, iron, B6 to make healthy red blood cells. So nutrient deficiencies, which then have a knock-on impact on blood cell health, are going to have an impact on our energy levels and fatigue. And so this is part of what I would call the low-hanging fruit. These are the things that are really important to test and address first and foremost. They're almost like the initial screening that I do with all clients is, you know, how are your red blood cells? Do you have an oxygenation issue? What do we need to address here? Um, because this can be a quick win for people. If we have low red blood cell health or poor red blood cell health, and we can just take a few supplements and address that quite quickly and feel a little bit better, then we know um, that we can that's done and dusted and we can move on to other things with more energy to tackle those things. So talking about oxygenation segues kind of nicely into nutrient deficiencies. I've already mentioned B12, folate, iron, and B6, but there are multiple different nutrient deficiencies that can be associated with fatigue. So for the purposes of today, I'm not going to talk about every single one, but what I would like to think about rather is um, this idea of Nutrient deficiencies happen because something has gone wrong in that production line. We're either not eating adequate amounts of certain nutrients, which can be common in restrictive diets. And sometimes people will restrict their diets because they feel unwell when they eat certain foods. Um, if there's poor digestive health, then the nutrients aren't necessarily getting digested and then absorbed and transported appropriately to wherever they need to go in the body, then that's going to be an issue for the functioning of the body and the end result is fatigue. 
So there are many reasons why someone would potentially have nutrient deficiencies. We could also have nutrient deficiencies if there's a high need for a specific nutrient and therefore the body is burning through a lot of that nutrient and using it up um, so that we have a high demand for more. And for example, Iron, which we know is really important for mitochondrial function and energy production, which we know is really important for oxygenation and the transport of oxygen around the body, can also be used in our antioxidant enzymes, for example, catalase. So we need iron to make catalase but then if we're if we have a lot of damage if we have a lot of oxidation in the body we're going to need to make a lot of catalase and therefore our demands for iron can be higher and then obviously another classic one for iron is women with hormonal imbalances and heavy bleeding so talking about nutrient deficiencies is also then a nice segue into gut dysfunction So there are many reasons why gut dysfunction can be a cause of low energy. One of those reasons is because if the gut is dysfunctional, we can have poor nutrient digestion and absorption, and then we have nutrient deficiencies which can contribute to fatigue. But because the gut is so closely linked with the immune system, infections in the gut or imbalances in the gut like dysbiosis and imbalance of the bacteria in the microbiome um, can all have an impact on the immune system. And this is essentially one of the things that can keep the body in a sense of threat or a sense of danger. And what we know is that the mitochondria, which are really important for producing energy, are not only energy producing machinery, they are also defense machinery. So the mitochondria are sensing into the body and sensing what's going on and then making decisions about should I make lots of energy because it feels safe and well to do so Or are we under threat and do we need to maybe shut down energy production or prioritize energy production in the immune system, but shut down energy production in the brain and in the muscles until this threat has been resolved? So if there are imbalances going on in the gut or if there's a gut infection, then that can potentially be a sort of signal to the mitochondria to say, there's a threat here. We don't want to prioritize energy production to the brain or to the muscles. We need to prioritize energy production to the immune system. And if you've ever had a cold or a flu, which I'm sure that you've had, you know what it feels like when energy is prioritized to your immune system. You feel tired, you feel foggy, you maybe have a headache, you feel socially withdrawn, you have um, flu-like symptoms. So those sickness symptoms that we get when our immune system is active is a consequence of this change in energy distribution, energy prioritized to the immune system, energy prioritized to uh, away from the brain and the muscle tissue. So this is just one of the mechanisms by which gut dysfunction can affect our energy. There are many others, and in future I will do another podcast where I'll talk about all of these in more detail. But for now, just know if you have any GI symptoms 
Those symptoms could be a clue that you have imbalances in your gut and you may want to look at gut function and how it relates to your fatigue. And here that could be bloating, constipation, diarrhea, acid reflux, cramping. So there's lots of different GI experiences people can have. And really you want to be able to eat your food, digest your food, no bloating, no smelly gas or no excessive gas little tiny bit is okay and have regular bowel movements without any issues and so if that's not happening then it could be a sign that you need to look at your gut but sometimes I have clients who say oh my gut's fine it works absolutely perfectly Um, but they still have gut issues that are manifesting systemically and what that means is it's manifesting in challenges with the skin or maybe they have challenges with their joints or maybe they have hormonal imbalances so there's other things going on um, outside of the gut but the root cause is the gut dysfunction so what I've introduced you to actually a little bit as I've been talking about gut dysfunction is the cell danger response So the cell danger response is a universal response to threat. And it's really a change that happens in the body when the cells perceive that there's a danger or a threat. So as I've already explained, the mitochondria are not only energy producing machinery, they're also defense machinery. And they're sensing the environment of the body for infections, for toxins, or for stress in general, and then making decisions about energy production. Should we make more energy or should we prioritize energy towards the immune system at this time or shut down energy production altogether? And so the cell danger response is a really helpful model for understanding fatigue. Because once the cell danger response has been activated, there's a series of biochemical changes that happen in the body. And these changes that happen can be associated with the dysfunction and imbalance, which then leads to chronic disease, and in this case, chronic fatigue. So I won't talk again in extreme detail about the cell danger response, that's for another day, but it's important then to understand that toxins can trigger the cell danger response, infections can trigger the cell danger response, and trauma, micro traumas, multiple micro traumas like chronic stress can trigger the cell danger response, but so can big traumas and just general nervous system dysregulation. So these are the other factors that can possibly cause fatigue. And usually when someone has a chronic fatigue condition and, you know, they're addressing their nutrient deficiencies, they're balancing their blood sugar, they're working on oxygenation, their energy balance is good, um, but they're still kind of stuck in this very low energy place. The stuckness is usually a clue that the body is almost stuck in the cell danger response in the way that the body feels like it is still under threat. There is still something that is causing the body to feel threatened and hence the sustained low energy. So this is where we kind of want to start to dig deeper and this is where I'll talk a little bit about root cause. What is keeping the system under threat and how do we address that? 
So in some cases, as I've mentioned, it could be toxins. If someone has had a mold exposure, they have mold spores in their body and those mold spores are producing mycotoxins, that's going to be something that keeps the cell under threat. But there's probably also going to be multiple changes in the body's biochemistry due to the damage created by those toxins. And again, I won't talk about it in great detail today because I can talk about that in its own episode. But um, mold is a common cause of chronic fatigue syndrome. But there can be other toxins which can also cause fatigue. We live in a toxic world. We have multiple toxin exposures every day. And sometimes um, if we have one big exposure, for example, to mold and, and mold producing mycotoxins, it weakens the body system. So the body struggles to cope with other toxins. And then there's a load that builds up. And I have had a client who had breast implant illness. She had breast implants removed, but then she had multiple toxins in her body, heavy metals, plastics, mold, um, because the system was overwhelmed and couldn't cope with the toxicity. So in this case, we really want to sort of remove and avoid toxins where possible and support the body to detoxify so that that cell danger response can move through its full cycle and um, the body and the cells no longer feel under threat. The next thing would be possibly infections. So we talked about gut infections, which could, which could be parasites, could also just be a general imbalance of the gut microbiome or um, you know, other infections. Sometimes people will get a virus and then they end up with post-viral fatigue or someone may be infected with Lyme disease and it's co-infections. It's a lot of people who have um, glandular fever, EBV, mononucleosis, whatever terminology you'd like to use. Um, and then that can be a cause of their ongoing fatigue. And so, again, that's something I can talk about more in another episode. But here I like to think of this analogy of the window pane and the hammer. And if the window pane is your body, and then the hammer is the virus or the infection, if I throw the hammer at, a win at the window, it shatters the window. If I go over to the shattered window and the hammer and I pick up the hammer and I take it out of the room, I've removed the infection, I've removed the virus, but there's all this broken glass that still needs to be cleaned up. And that's usually the approach that we would take is that sometimes what happens is there's been a big threat and that big threat has created a lot of damage. But even once we remove the threat, the damage itself that was created can also be a perceived threat. So even though the virus is long gone, there's still a lot of cleanup work to do. And as we clean up those body systems that have become damaged and disrupted from the massive immune response that needed to happen to deal with that threat, then the body becomes more well again. So that's essentially the approach that I take when I'm working with my clients who've um, had some major infection that's been a trigger for their chronic fatigue. So the next thing um, on this list is um, trauma and nervous system dysregulation. Again, you've probably heard me say this so many times today, but I'll go into this specifically in its own episode. This is just a broad overview today. 
But chronic stress dysregulates the nervous system. And we know that nervous system dysregulation keeps the body in a state of threat. And when the nervous system is stuck in what we would call um, sympathetic activation, so fight or flight, or even not necessarily stuck in fight or flight, but if there's so much activation that it goes into a nervous system freeze and gets stuck there, that can typically be associated with um, a lot of symptoms that we um, see in chronic fatigue and burnout. Um, But also it takes a huge amount of energy to maintain a system that is constantly trying to survive. And that's um, what Stephen Porges calls the cost of doing business. The cost of keeping the body in this very heightened nervous system state is very draining on the body's resources. Nothing is being prioritized. The general sort of day-to-day housekeeping that we all need for rest, recovery, and repair that keeps the body systems healthy isn't happening. And nutrients are getting depleted and we're burning through our energy stores. So there's a lot of um, changes that happen biochemically in the body to sustain our survival responses. And we need tools to help the body get out of that stuck survival response. Especially if someone has had big traumas um, or um, especially if someone has a lot of adverse childhood experiences referred to as ACEs, this can make their body more sensitive. So sometimes, you know, the actual event which triggers the fatigue or the burnout is a small event, but it's, um, it's actually a big event relative to the body's ability to tolerate because there has been so much that has happened before even from childhood that has worn the system down over time and then something small needs to happen and um, that tips the scales over into imbalance. And these um, imbalances in the nervous system that are created across a lifetime can make someone's immune system more susceptible to infections, more susceptible to toxins, and therefore um, the immune system is weaker and then eventually loses its ability to cope. So there's just a couple more things um, that I wanted to touch on here. And um, the next thing is mitochondrial dysfunction. So mitochondrial dysfunction is, um, as I've already explained, your mitochondria are your little energy producing factories in the cell and healthier and stronger mitochondria are associated with resilience in the body and associated with our ability to make energy. And what a lot of people might think that you need to do is just, you know, give nutrients that support the mitochondria. But hopefully now from listening to all of this, you can maybe understand that the mitochondria function has possibly become dysfunctional because of an active cell danger response. So part of restoring mitochondria health is helping the body to feel safe again. And then, yes, we want to do other things which support the mitochondria, like give them the nutrients that they need and support cell membrane health and support blood sugar. Um, But all of those interventions can sometimes be wasted or possibly even make someone feel worse if we haven't dealt with the root cause or that big threat. 
Then the other thing we want to think about, which I've touched on when we talked about toxins, is toxic load. When the body is overwhelmed with toxins, we are overwhelming the cells and we're entering into a cell danger response. So we want to consider detoxification and supporting the liver and the kidneys and the drainage pathways like the gut and the skin and our ability to sweat and how we breathe and um, supporting all of those pathways to reduce overall toxic load and then lastly kind of all the way there on its own is hormones so hormones can be to to a certain extent a root cause of fatigue where this might be is if someone has very low levels of certain hormones for example women entering perimenopause who have low levels of progesterone or perhaps athletes who are overtraining under eating and maybe having low levels of hormones estrogen specifically so sex hormones can be a factor in fatigue but what i do find is that sex hormone balance is usually a byproduct of everything else going on. So when the body is in a cell danger response, it's not really prioritizing reproduction. It's just not the most important thing at that point in time. So we want to work on the overall health of the body systems, get the cell out of threat, support just general um, you know, healthy adrenal function so that the body is coping with stress day to day. We're keeping blood sugar balance the body has all the nutrients that it needs the gut health is working well and when we do all of those things sex hormones usually get better so that would usually be my approach is let's deal with all of those foundations first and then either test sex hormones or circle back and test sex hormones and um, then decide if we need to intervene. And in some cases we do. And in some cases, body identical hormone replacement therapy can be really helpful. So that's what we might consider when we're looking at sex hormones. But I think that there can be an attitude where people say, oh, it's just my hormones. Um, And they either just want to take hormone replacement therapy, but they're not addressing all the other things that are going on or um, not understanding the connection between hormones and um, everything else going on in the body. And then the last thing would be thyroid hormones. Um, Yes, underactive thyroid can be a cause of fatigue. So that's something that I would usually test for, do an initial screen, rule it in, rule it out. And if we do see that underactive thyroid is an issue, then um, we want to consider how we would deal with that. Does this person need medication? Do they need to speak to their doctor about that medication? Is it more borderline? Do we want to support the cell danger response again, because that can have an impact on thyroid hormone. Do we want to give nutrients, which are important for manufacturing those thyroid hormones? So again, um, considering where the thyroid is in the picture of everything else going on. And if there's thyroid autoimmunity like Hashimoto's, we also need to consider how we support the tolerance of the immune system. So you might be wondering the One thing I probably haven't mentioned so far is adrenal dysfunction and what is colloquially called adrenal fatigue or tired adrenal glands. And the reason why I haven't given too much attention to this is because I 
often don't find that it's that relevant in practice. And I get asked this question very often on social media, you know, what's the relationship between chronic fatigue, adrenal fatigue, and burnout? And um, I want to just say from clinical practice is I have clients with chronic fatigue, fatigue or burnout with normal adrenal function, high adrenal function, low adrenal function. And having tried to work on adrenal function specifically um, and then not really seeing adrenal profiles change, what I've where I've kind of arrived personally in my practice is let's support the whole body. Let's support the nervous system. And if we do all of those things and someone feels well, great. And what this looks like in terms of an adrenal profile test is maybe not as important as how they feel and if they're feeling like they're feeling good and making progress and having success in their fatigue recovery. So I will also probably do another episode in future where we talk about the adrenal glands specifically. So that is everything for today in terms of the causes of fatigue generally and chronic fatigue syndrome specifically. Are there other things that could be causing fatigue? Yes, maybe, but these are the major players in the game, what I would call the big rocks. And um, this is where you can go looking as you start to explore what could be at the root of your chronic fatigue or burnout. I'll see you in the next episode. And just once again, if you have enjoyed today, if you are experiencing value from the information I'm sharing, please leave a five-star review on iTunes. When you leave a review on iTunes, it helps other people that maybe would need or benefit from this information to find the information in the first place. And so it would be really much appreciated by me. And of course, if you've loved the episode, if you know somebody who may benefit from hearing it, share it with them and um, share the love. So again, I'll see you in the next episode and have a wonderful fatigue recovery day.